1: The very core of everything that I tell people when it comes to running a successful podcast is you will get what you put in. If you treat it like a hobby, it'll pay you like a hobby. If you treat it like a business,
0: it'll pay you like a business. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius from Rashad. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine We're about two things. Number one, people were living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them each episode we're going to feature interviews with game changers business leaders you know telling us their origin stories what made them tick what got them to where they are now why so can help you step into your greatness within your life your business and your career occasionally you might hear a few solo episodes from myself as i say as i leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a ceo and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business so Come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me, guys. Welcome to today's episode of the Greatness Machine. I'm your host Darius Mershawzadeh, and boy, do we have a special guest, my main man, Travis Chappelle, is in the house. What's up, Travis? What's up, dude? Thanks so much Th- for having me. Did I pronounce your last name properly? I, chapel. I I, like a, chapel. Yeah. Like, Damn it. Da- like a Damn wedding it. chapel. Yeah, you know, it was funny as I realized I didn't double check your last name right before I looked. So I fucked up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, no worries, bro. No worries. Dave Chappelle kind of screwed me for life on that. Everybody just guessed Chappelle or Chappelle or something like that. And frankly, I can't blame people because I probably would have guessed that pronunciation myself. So I just stopped correcting people a long time ago.
0: When your last name's Mershazadeh, you have a thing where you want to get people's last names right. So that's so, fair. So, so Chappell, it is. Um, well, yeah, my um, producer's
1: last name is Skorzynski. So. Uh, um, it's very similar to Mishazadeh, so
0: yeah, yeah. That's a mouthful. Um, well, um, so listen, for listeners who are new to the show, the greatness machine, we're about two things, people who are living their passions and those creating greatness. And Travis is neither short of passion nor, nor greatness. Um, so man, welcome to the show. I'm so pumped to have you. I saw that you booked a, a couple months ago and I was like, man, I've, you know, I've been passively following you around and, and checking out your stuff online. And I was like, man, this is going to be a fun conversation. So thanks for being here, my friend.
1: Yeah. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. I I appreciate, I always appreciate going on other people's shows who are crushing it. So that's definitely you guys.
0: Awesome. Um, so I was telling Travis before the show, I said, you know, I, I said, I, I'm pretty sure we met on clubhouse circa winter, 2021 where, and for anyone that was on clubhouse and it was like this like insane moment in time where you're like. You're like hanging out with a bunch of people for at least for me that I you would typically not have as direct access to. And suddenly you get good access and you're hanging out with a bunch of these people who are stuck in their homes during COVID and, and yeah. it blew up. So uh, were you on that platform for, for very long? Or were you kind of like me where you just hopped on there for a hot minute and then went back to everyday life?
1: Yeah, definitely uh hot minute and I bounced. Yeah, it was like it was a weird realization because like, you know, at the beginning of any platform, it's always a really big opportunity to like start, you know to become one of like the, the bigger people on, the, on that platform uh, while they're promoting people organically. And uh, clubhouse is one of those. And I was like, man, this, if this is going to be the next thing, it's audio. I'm a podcaster. It makes sense for me to jump on this. Like I got to do it. Right. So for a while, I was just like biting the bullet. I was just doing it. And then I was just like, wait a second, this is like the worst. <laughs> you know? I was like, I'm on here for like three and a half hours. And the, the thing is, is like what I found was clubhouse was made up of two groups of people. Typically. It was the group of people that wanted to make it seem like they were doing amazing things and they weren't like the coaches that shouldn't be coaches. And then it was the, uh, the people who've already like accomplished a ton of things. And their main job is to get more attention like Grant Cardone or Ty Lopez or some of these other people. Um, uh, but the people like me that were the mid tier, like people that are still on the come up and actually have to, you know work for a living. I think we all got tired of it really quickly because I was working all day. And then from like six to 10 PM, I was on clubhouse. It was just like the time that I usually spend with my family. I spend with my kids, the time that I'm like relaxing, decompressing from the day I'm on this app where like 90% of the time that I'm on it is a waste of time. Um, and 10% is valuable. Um, and so again, if you already have a ton of systems in place and you have everything operating really smoothly and your core job is just to go meet people and get attention and stuff like that, then maybe it was a really good use of time. Um, but I got to the point where I was just like, I found myself sitting in my, like, it was a kind of a tradition for us at the time uh, to like finish our night in my son's room as we like got him for ready for bed and we play with them and change him and, and hang out with them and stuff. My wife was pregnant at the time with our daughter. And, uh, and that was kind of the, uh, you know, the, the, the ritual and right. I found myself like on Clubhouse, and I'll be playing with my son, but I'm listening to Clubhouse in the background. I was not fully present at all. After doing right. that for a couple of nights, I was just like, what am I doing right now? Like, this is what incrementally growing my audience. Like, but I'm giving up a ton of one on one time, and like, my mind is split between two activities. Like, at this point, I, I got to the point where I was like, even if this does become the next big platform, I think I'm okay with not being one of the people that makes it on it. So yeah. I just, I just, came to terms with that and jumped off. And then within three months, it seemed like everybody else did the same thing. Um, So it, you know, I I mean, I guess kind of luckily for me, didn't end up taking off and becoming the next big platform. Um, But at the time I was like, I'm okay. You know, I'm okay. If it does, I I don't think I'm going to regret it if if it does, because this is just ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, and at least you had the excuse of having a business. I had exited my company uh, like six months before And I, and I, and and I literally had nothing to do, (laughs) but, and and, and so I was on it. Like it got to the point where I was in some rooms and you you may have noticed this where people would leave themselves in like sleep mode, go to sleep, be in the stage and just accumulate like followers. (laughs) And I was like, Oh yeah, I did that. You'd be be on stage for like six hours. (laughs) Like harvesting followers. And I was like, to your point, I was like, this is, uh, kind of fucked up. Like I'm not seeing my family, (laughs) you know, or I'm bifurcating my time. Right. And, and and what, one of the big things that
1: got me, bro, like one of the big things that made me just be like, this is a waste of time was one of my friends who was like dedicated to really growing his audience over there and props to him for doing it. He grew to like, I don't know, 60, 70,000 followers. And at the time there weren't that many people with over 10,000 or 50,000, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh and so i was like oh he's doing a really good job there and he asked me to be on his podcast and he would do his podcast live in the clubhouse room and also do it on the podcast i was like cool we get extra traction on clubhouse he's got a ton of followers that he's worked hard to build he had like two or three different devices that would be in different rooms at different times and he was just growing his following like crazy and then we did this podcast interview with just me and him and there was like 14 people in the room and I was like, "What is the point of getting your following up to seventy thousand people if, when you start a room by yourself, you only have fourteen people join? It's like yeah. you still like you still have to go get Grant Cardone to join and Ty Lopez to join, and all these other like big characters or names, whatever industry or niche you are in. You had to you still had to go get all the famous people in those um, worlds to join your room in order for it to start blowing up." Like even if you had a ton of followers and that was, that was a big one for me where I was like, even if I did all of this and still achieve the result that I was looking for, it's not even doing the thing that I wanted to do. The only way to really get that kind of recognition is to be talking all the time in the rooms. And then that's when it's like, I'm on here for three hours. I'm talking, I'm trying to like butt into conversations. It, It became this just like, this just obnoxious dick measuring contest with like, Oh, did you get made a speaker? Are you a moderator? Do you have a yeah. little green, green you the badge, green badge bean. on your profile? Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. It was just like, after I probably was on there for a solid, like 10 days, like pretty much like really dedicated. And
0: then it was just like, fuck this uh, good, this. I, good I, for I, you man I am
1: a-okay with
0: not doing a much on this platform good for you i i, I unfortunately was on for about four weeks and then and then pulled pulled the plug um
1: <laughs> well <like> i said <laughs> if i had more if i was in your position i would have been on for a lot longer than i was it was just that it was i was doing it in addition to all the other stuff i had to do yeah and it was just like no this way. isn't this is, this just doesn't make it can make any sense and it was silly to me because people were just like oh clubhouse is going to take over podcasting and i was like <laughs> okay yeah sure
0: you know. Well, what what I think I've learned, and, and what, what I'd love to do is is jump into your formal bio. So, so for those of you that are new new to Travis, uh, Travis Chapel is the founder and CEO of Guestio, and we were just talking before the show. And what Guestio is, it's the world's first premium marketplace for booking high profile guests and platforms. In fact, um, before the show, I was telling Travis, I said we've actually just started booking some amazing folks from from Guestio. So, kudos to you for building that. So, you're an entrepreneur, Thank CEO. You. Um, host of Build Your Network podcast with Travis uh, Chapel. So we'll be talking. Uh, I really want to dive into, you know, what you've done with the podcast. You've had guests like Shaquille O'Neal, Tommy, uh, Tommy Lauren, Rob Dyrdek, uh Grant Cardone, and so many more. And um, and you know, you're one of those folks that you're a pioneer in the world of podcasting, and at the same time, you're building a you're building a a, a really a platform and business that's taken off. And, and and getting that those entrepreneurial chops, but I'd love if if we could, man. If, if you don't mind, can, can you take us back? Like the, like we love origin stories on the greatness machine. Tell us about your greatness. Tell us about the origin story of of Travis Chapel and in, in in the world of business and podcasting.
1: Sure, man. So pretty unconventional uh, beginnings. I I grew up in a I call it. I call it a bubble. I can't bring myself to call it a cult. I don't know if I, I would identify it as a cult, but definitely a religious bubble. Uh, a com- smaller community of um, of fundamentalist uh, Christians. Um, and I say small community, meaning like the entire like movement of like independent fundamental Baptist churches is really like a small movement. But the church that I went to happened to be like one of the biggest churches in the in that entire movement. And so there was. You know, by the time I stopped going there, probably seven thousand members of the church, um, forty-acre campus, several multi-million-dollar buildings, and we started going there when I was three, when the church had you know a 1, 1,500 people. And uh, in order to go to the school that was on the church campus, you had to be a member of the church. So it was a closed enrollment private Christian school that I was enrolled in in kindergarten. And I went there from kindergarten through senior year of high school. And then there was a private unaccredited Christian ministerial college on the same campus uh, as well, which I went to for all four years of college. And so I graduated with a double major in Bible and church ministries. And by the time I left, I basically realized that like, I didn't want to do that. And, but that was all I would ever been preparing for from the time I literally committed to when I was 12. So there was never any other career options, opportunities. I never thought or entertained any sort of additional career other than I'm going to be in ministry. So by the time I figured out I didn't want to be in ministry, I was graduating with my degree in ministry, in church ministries and Bible. And I uh, got married before I graduated. And she was on board for being in ministry, obviously, because that was what she was also thinking she was doing. And so there was a period of time where I just had no idea what I was going to be doing with my life. Uh, I, I got a taste, a little taste for business because my dad was a real estate agent from the time that I was like, I don't know, five, six years old. So I grew up in a, in a kind of a real estate household and saw a version of entrepreneurship Um, that existed. And my dad would always encourage those thoughts and, 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 and belief patterns and things like that. And so I kind of had to, so like, I, I I would, I sold stuff in elementary school. I sold these little like plastic bugs that I would make at home, this little bug maker machine. I would bring them to school and sell them to kids. And then um, when I was a junior in uh, high school, between my junior and senior year of high school, I started a, a landscaping business with a buddy of mine and we started, uh, mowing lawns and putting in sod and doing all these other things. And, and so like, I always kind of had that, that itch to do entrepreneurial things. Um, and, and then in college I was doing door-to-door sales, um, and, uh, got my first kind of taste of like leadership roles. Um, I was, excelling in that world. Uh, I'm, I'm a competitive person by nature and I played a lot of sports growing up, but I was, had an affinity to be pretty good at the sales thing. And so I, I just, I I leaned into that, did really, did pretty well with that in college. And it got to the point where I was like my junior or senior year of college, I was making like, I I was on track to make like 75 grand that year, 15, 20 hours a week, door-to-door sales. i managed a team of like 15 door-to-door reps at a solar company and I was starting to realize that like the job that I got out of, out of college was going to pay about half as much as I was making as a senior in college in twice or three times as many hours, you know? And, wow. uh, and I frankly just enjoyed the work cause I was at, at the same time during all that same period, I was interning at a church on the weekends and I would find myself like being eager to get back to school on Monday to get away from the thing that I was going to be doing for the rest of my life so that I could go do the thing that I was going to be quitting in six months so I could go do the thing that I didn't want to do. And none of it made sense. And so <laughs> I uh, just uh, dove into door-to-door sales after college because that was all I knew how to do. And uh, I figured like that was the lowest hanging fruit in order for me to go make money. Uh, was just So I did 100% commission door-to-door sales uh, for a couple of years. And the first full-time year that I did it, I reached my like, goal, which I thought was going to be this incredible moment in life where I was, I was like, I don't want to make six figures. It's going to be great. So life changed my life to do yeah. six figures. You know what I mean? <sighs> so I make six figures year one full time. And I was like, this is not that much money. <laughs> like this money like yeah. this is this money's like, uh, pretty much already gone at this point. Like this, like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And it was like, now I want to make seven figures. But doing seven figures in door to door is a totally different game. And uh so at that point I knew that I didn't want to do the thing that I was good at, which is door to door. And I knew I didn't want to do the thing that I was qualified to do, which I have my degree in, which was ministry. And so now at this point I'm like twenty-three. I have I we bought our first house when I was twenty-one, got married at twenty-one. So I have a mortgage to pay, I have a wife, I have bills, I have expenses, you know, just couch surfing wasn't an option for me. Um, and so I uh I kind of hit a, a, a bottom point where I was like, what, what am I doing with my life? Like, what am I, what does my life look like in five years, 10 years, 20 years? I have no idea. Um, and so dude, at that, at that point I did, I, I looked at anything, you know, that anything that piqued my interest, I, I, I like looked into joining the FBI. I looked into uh fire department applications. I looked into uh, real estate, just so many different career paths and options, at the end of the day, I just really enjoyed sales and business. And so I started reading books, listening to audiobooks. And the first time I came across podcasting, and I really, really enjoyed the medium of podcasts. I liked that it was conversational, somewhat entertaining, but also very informative. And, um, And I just started being being an avid consumer of podcasts enough to where I was like, Hey, maybe I should start my own show. I have no idea how it's going to turn into money, but it seems like a cool way to meet people and, and learn from people. And then if I can also can make money with sponsorships, that'd be cool. So I started the show and then, uh, you know, didn't go very well for quite a while. And then when it started going well, people started asking me about it. So I started doing podcast coaching, consulting, uh, podcast courses, uh, Ran a couple of events and masterminds all about like networking and connecting with people, um, and then COVID shut down the uh, events and masterminds part of the business, which was about half of my revenue. And so at that point, it, I had a lot more free time. I didn't want to do virtual events; I only wanted to do live in person because that was like my whole thing. And so uh, that was when I realized that uh, the two big problems that all the people that were experiencing that we were working with in the podcasting space, whether it was one-on-one coaching or you know one-to-many courses or group coaching nobody knew how to get good guests and nobody knew how to book themselves on shows to grow their own audience. And so guestio was a software that would solve both of those problems. And so we started development in June of 2020, um, raised a $1.3 million seed round by August of 2021. Um, And uh, as soon as we closed on that round, I stopped doing coaching consulting courses and all the other stuff. I focused directly on the software and started really growing that. And then in January of 2022, we had more of like an official launch of the software. And then we also launched an agency on the back end of the software. And, uh, now all 2020, have been, 2022, have been growing, uh, both of those and then doing obviously my podcast in the background the entire time for the last five years, 800 episodes almost. Wow, man. So there's a, there's a brief history. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> of... Yeah. I, I want, so I'm going to jump back. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't want to interrupt your flow. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear, uses directed. So, so, so first and foremost, you grew up in a, uh, was it Baptist fundamentalism or was it like a specific, was, was, was that the church essentially?
1: Yep. Yeah. Baptist, uh, independent fundamental Baptist. It's the IFB movement is what's called. Yeah.
0: And, and, and was this in Southern California, Lancaster? Yep. Okay, cool. I'm from Southern California originally too. I grew up in orange County. Uh, okay. I, live in, by, I live in Austin, yeah. Texas now I see you're in Vegas, but, um, so, yeah. so we're both, but we're, we're both SoCal natives. Um, the, the church that, that so,
1: I interned at my junior year was in Newport beach. So we drove every weekend from Lancaster down to orange County.
0: Okay, gotcha. And was it one of those churches where you had to wear a specific type of clothing? Like like kinda like oh, yeah. like, the, like like what did they have like I know like fundamental like Mormonism and like like the Mormons will have fundamentalists and they have like little the girls have like dresses to their ankles and stuff yeah. like that. Like were you? Yeah, guys like so that like we style? didn't have
1: like uniforms, but yeah, but pretty strict rules. Um like as a guy, no facial hair in high school or college. I got demerits in college for having like a five o'clock shadow. Um, on my face, um, no, like my hair couldn't touch my ears, um, in high school or college. I had, very, like, short haircuts. Um, for, uh, for girls, it was dresses past the knee. Um, and it was, I think, like three fingers from your collarbone or something was like the lowest it could go down, um, on, on tops. Um, no touching opposite genders, not even in college. Like in college, I was engaged to be married to my now wife and we were not allowed to touch. Um, as an engaged couple at age 20, uh, we weren't allowed to touch. Um, yeah, no, no movie theaters. Uh, you signed something at the beginning of school said you wouldn't oh. go to the movie theater. Um, no dancing, we got 15 demerits for dancing obviously no cursing or any of the regular things no cursing drinking smoking you know none of that stuff obviously yeah, yeah. um i think that's pretty standard for most churches um, yeah. we were just definitely more serious about it you know um uh,
0: but yeah all uh, all, all the fun TV. stuff yeah, all the all the great yeah. stuff yeah, <laughs> all well, the things I mean, that make life worth living before <laughs> totally before kids. you have kids
1: <laughs> totally dude yeah so like like uh you know i, I always joke cuz i'm like yeah that's how i I, when I tell people like, oh, I interned at a church my junior year of college, it was like I had a full, I had a full load cause I was trying to finish the semester early so I could get out and go into ministry, you know? So I, I finished the semester early. So I had a full load of like 21 credits, um, that I was taking that semester or per semester and junior year were pretty, pretty hard classes, uh, in terms of the materials that we we're studying. And, um, so I had, you know, Monday through Friday class starting at seven thirty every day. And then on the weekends, we'd get out of school on Friday, drive to Newport Beach, get there late Friday night. We'd be there Saturday morning for soul winning rally. Uh, uh, and then since we were the interns, we went out longer than everybody else would go out. So we'd go knock doors for four hours, five hours, invite people to come to church. And then that afternoon, we'd come back and clean the whole church and get it ready for Sunday service. So we'd get back late Saturday night uh, to where we were staying. Sunday morning, we got to be back to the church at seven o'clock because we both had to, you know, serve in the choir, serve in a youth ministry or something. By serve that, it just means to help out the person teaching the class. Right. And then, um, and then after a uh, uh, morning church, which it was always two services every every morning because you have Sunday school and then you have the main service. Right. And then after that, we would go get lunch real quick and we'd come back to the church and we would clean up everything, tear down the fellowship hall and, uh, and clean up all the bathrooms and everything for church that night. And then we would go to night church and then we would drive back Sunday night, get back 10 30, o'clock at night, be back up for school on seven thirty. uh, at seven thirty on Monday morning. So I was like, yeah, that's how I chose to spend my junior year of college <laughs> instead of like oh. doing what most people are doing in their junior year of college. Um, I was, you know, uh, driving myself crazy, doing all this free work for people.
0: Um, you were, but, ra- you were, you were raging on behalf of the Lord. Oh yes, <laughs> totally.
1: Um, I, I was just adding bricks to my mansion, bro. Oh, yeah, like, just, and, just yeah. stacking I'm gonna them the on laughing. I'm going to be the one laughing when I have this beautiful mansion in heaven. You and you suckers are all in your little shacks. I
0: know I'm going to be burning in the pits of hell while, while you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're pouring water on top of me. Um, so are you still, are you still of like involved with the church? it sounds like you went a different direction. Um, considering yeah. you're not in the ministry, in the, doing the ministry stuff. So are you still involved or is it just like, how did that, how that, how that pan out?
1: Yeah, it panned out over a long period of time with a lot of hard conversations and a lot of, frankly, loneliness. Um, I didn't feel like I could yeah. talk to anybody about it. because, like when you grow up like that, it's a little bit different Like, because I'll, t- I'll run to some people who're like, oh, I grew up in church, too. And I'm like, no, no, no. I-, I grew up in church. Like, I didn't grow up in church. I grew up in church. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know I'm yeah, saying yeah. the same thing, but they're totally different things. Like my life <laughs> existed inside of the context of that one 40 acre campus like Monday through Friday school Sunday, we had Sunday school and then we had Sunday morning service and then we had Sunday night service. So three services on Sunday. Wow. Saturday, we had Saturday morning soul winning rally and then we would go soul winning and invite people to come to church on Sunday.
0: Wait, what is that? What is that word? What is that word? I don't, I'm, I'm I'm totally non-religious. I don't know these words. soul winning is what we call oh, soul it. Win- winning. Like you're winning yeah, my winning, soul over. winning souls. Yes. Oh, I exactly. like that. I like that. That's cool. We do, we do soul, soul winning on this podcast actually.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's essentially just door to door sales for the church is what it is. Right. It is. You we got to knock doors and invite people to come to church on Sunday. Um, but it was started with a rally soul winning rally, which is basically just another chance to preach a 20, 30 minute sermon before we'd go knock doors for three hours in the Lancaster heat. Um, and invite people people come to church and then Wednesday, we had Wednesday night service at 7 p.m. So we had two services Sunday morning. We had Sunday night. We had Wednesday night. And then during school, school was at the same campus and we had chapel in school. So we had, you know, uh, I think two or three days a week in high school and then every day in college uh, we had chapel, which is is just another service. And so like, you know, we would have missions conference and and leadership conference and revivals where we would go to church like that. But then we'd also add in, we do Sunday, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night and Wednesday night. And oh, we God. had, you know, we'd, we'd have a uh, giving, um, giving banquets and, you know, any of our sports activities, there were also, you know, there was always a way to throw a sermon in there. Any of our youth activities, like everything that I did in my life was on that campus. You know what I'm saying? So like when yeah. I say I grew up in church, like I, I, I it's, I, it's different than what most people would mean by that. And so when I was, when I was leaving, it obviously was like, that was my entire worldview. That was everything that I took drew identity from. That was who I was, not just what I believed. And so it, uh, when I, when I first got out or when I was starting to have the thoughts in my head that like some of this stuff doesn't make sense to me, I just kind of kept it to myself because everybody that I knew that mattered to me in my life believed all the same stuff that I believed. Right. And talk against that
0: is no. in
1: that culture
0: an unacceptable thing to do. Do you get um, did you get do you get like if you're when, when when people decide that they don't want that to be their life, is it like we're not your friend anymore? Or is it like do people respect your decision or is it like you're banished?
1: So I told I tell everybody there was three groups of people when I when I left. Um everybody kind of fit into three groups. The first group, um I like to think I like to think that this is a fringe group. It's probably less fringe than I like to think it is. But the first group was people that were just like, they wish, they hope I fail. Like oh. because I decided to not live life the way that they view as being the only correct way to live life. They don't want to see me do well because it's an example that you can do something outside of the context of that world and still You're live right. a happy, fulfilling, abundant life. Yeah. So there's, there's a fringe group, I think, I, well, I, I don't just think I know, cause I've seen actual like text message conversations of friends that I've had since I was four, five years old, talking mad shit on who I am now. Um, even though they've never had, they've never had the courtesy to reach out or try to have a conversation with me, of course. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then that's the first group, the second group. And I think, I think the majority of people would probably fit in this group. They're just apathetic now that I don't do what they want me to do. They just don't care. They're like, all right, you do you, but you know, don't expect anything from us.
0: Type of like, thing. you you do you, but they're like, we're still friends, or they're like, whatever. Nah. Like, you you do your thing, we do your thing. We have different lives, basically. Correct. Okay. Correct. So we so we got lives. the fringe, we got the yeah. uh, the 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 probably like a big group of apathetics. Yeah. And then,
1: and then the my actual friends, you know, people people who I still talk to today, who know. That I have completely different views and beliefs on things and probably, you know, still pray for me, you know, every morning to come back to the Lord, which I'm totally fine with. And, I'm, and I appreciate yeah. the positive energy, to be honest, and I appreciate the thoughts and I understand where they're coming from on it because they truly believe it. And, you know, they love me. And so, like, if I truly believed what they believed, I would be doing the same thing that they're doing. But right. when we get together, we can have conversations about life and friendship and still be freaking normal, respectful human beings to each other. Um, and so there, there's, there's a group of, of people that have, have remained friends this day. Um, and then if there was a fourth group, it would be the people that I grew up with that were all on the same page now. And those are probably the people I'm closest to in the world.
0: Those are the people that, that are no longer in the church.
1: Correct. Yeah. yeah. The the people that like I, that I've known since I was four or three and we've been through all the same stuff and now we've arrived at the same conclusion now is like that, that bond is like a brotherhood bond.
0: Yeah, I, well, it's so interesting. Like when you're talking about that background, and and I know we we took like like a real brief snapshot of your whole life, which is obviously hard for anyone. Oh, here's like my whole life in in twelve minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. But 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 I I thought it was really important to go back because cause it like what you said was really meaningful. You were brought up in the church, like in the most meaningful way possible. And it was interesting when you were talking about it, I was like, man, this guy was just getting prepped to be an an entrepreneur. Like, yeah, we had to go soul winning, knocking door to door, working your ass off. Um, When you were describing like working in the church, uh, like for multiple shifts on your weekends, I'm like, sounds like you were like a pledge for a fraternity, you know, like you're doing the grunt work, you know, starting at the bottom, not getting paid, busting your ass to try to convince people to join a faith that they aren't a part of like, that's hard work, man. That's that, 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 that's a grind you know, in high school from the time that I was, I think, uh, when I was 15,
1: 14 or 15, I started serving on a bus route. And so we would send buses into the city to pick up kids for church on Sunday, whose parents wouldn't take them to church. Um, and you know, it was a a lot of of mostly underprivileged kids. And if you know anything about Lancaster, you know, that it's, not the best part of southern california right right um, not so no. there was uh, quite a few underprivileged communities um, mostly underprivileged <laughs> communities in lancaster and uh, uh so at, like uh, sunday mornings you know which is for most kids their time to sleep in and wake up and have pancakes at 11 a.m and watch cartoons i was at church at 6 a.m on sundays um, and we would go out and pick up kids and bring them to church for the 10 o'clock uh, service. And then we'd go drop them off. I'd get home at like 2 PM and, uh, and, you know, usually we would do yard work. Uh, that was my dad's favorite day to do yard work. So <laughs> I go home at like 2 PM change, go do some yard work. And then by five we're back changed, showered back in church clothes and back at church for Damn. Sunday night service. You know what I mean? Like Sunday was just a, it was a work day, you know, every day was a
0: work day.
2: Yeah, you know, that's, and, what and sounds, so, that's what sounds.
1: That's it sounds like. It was all like, done man. for free. It was all volunteered.
0: So, so, so you'll appreciate this. So, so my my dad's favorite thing was to manage me doing yard work on Sundays. Like, like <laughs> with, you know, a Budweiser and a cigarette and point and and point at shit.
1: Oh, that's worse. That's worse. My dad would it's at way least.
0: Worse. My
1: dad enjoyed my, my the way my dad always put it is like he's a real estate agent, so we always worked with his mind. He enjoyed the immediate gratification of yard right. work, uh, but I hated it. Oh, I hate it. And we used all of our Sunday. But I will say this, bro. Um I hated Sunday night service more than I hated yard work. So so all day I would be like I would be like dragging my feet begrudging like bad attitude about like doing all this yard work on Sunday when I just want to be watching TV inside. And then um you know like I said Sunday night church is 5:30. So like around like 4:30 I would start like finding extra tasks to do because I knew <laughs> that if my dad wasn't watching the clock and he realized that it was like 545 and church already started, oh. that we would just work for another 15 or 20 minutes and then we'd go inside at like six fifteen, six twenty. We have all night. So like I would I would like start picking up my own like taking initiative toward the end of the day, just being like I wonder what I can distract him with so that we don't have to go inside and get changed and go back to church. You know? What yeah. I mean? hey, so-
0: hey, Dad, there, there's some some fire ants over here. We got to yeah. go like clear it out. That's amazing, man. So you know what I what I'm picking up from this is like you were man your your folks had you working and you were working for God. You were working around the house and then you were doing jobs probably around outside of all that. If you're selling stuff door to door so so it's interesting man like uh we have so much in common like i was brought up with a really heavy work ethic right which i think yeah. really sets people up to be i i think it's a great breeding ground to become an entrepreneur because it is Agreed. a ton of work to to, to build anything from the scratch from scratch and 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 i love how you like kind of figured that out for yourself through this door to door solar sales gig and then parlayed that into this world of podcasting so so fast forwarding to, to now. You know, you're you you get into the world of podcasting. Um, what, what, I guess take I wanted to like kind of start there. What 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 podcast did it for you? Where you're like, oh man, like this is cool. Was there a particular podcast, or was it just the the genre in general?
1: So I I, I listened to to a few at the time. I listened to a good amount of Grant Cardone, Gary Vee. Um, uh, you know, I was door to door sales guy, so I liked a lot of Grant's sales stuff um I listened to Gary Vee, I listened to Tim Ferriss, Lewis House, uh, Bigger Pockets, I always like real estate investing. Um and then a buddy of mine recommended I listen to John Lee Dumas, um entrepreneurs, oh, cool. on, entrepreneurs on fire. And GLD, that was baby. the show, yeah, that was the show that made me realize that it was possible for me. Because none of the like cuz John teaches podcasting. So like I never thought of it as being like a path that I could take at the time I was just listening to learn. And then like, when he started suggesting like, Hey, start your own podcast. I started my own podcast from nothing and I was nobody before. And now I, you know, he publishes his income reports. So I went and read his income reports and I was like, "How this guy's making like a 200 grand a month, like with a podcast. What, how, how, how? like, how are you even like, I didn't even know that was a thing. And uh, so I took his free podcast course, went through the whole, you know, funnel um, and uh, ended up, Ended up uh, paying to go to a mastermind at his house um, in Puerto Rico um, a while back, and then he made a referral for me for a coach that I hired to uh, teach me how to do the podcast and all that stuff. Um, and that was my first foray into it.
0: Yeah, that's great, man. Uh, yeah, I, I've done his show, and he's been on our show, so we have, we got the JLD connection in common. Good, 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 dude. Good dude. I really like him a lot, and he's. It's interesting. I asked him the question. I said, "Do you think you could re? You could." if you wanted to rebuild, you entrepreneurs on fire right now, could you do it? He's like, I couldn't even do it now because the world's so different than when he started. Absolutely. But,
1: that yeah. was the one thing that was a bummer from like learning. Um, like the time that I came into podcasting was a weird time because it was right where the, the transition was happening where like, it wasn't possible to do it the way that everybody had done it up to that point. Um, but nobody had really like figured out the new way to do it. And so I came in doing it the old way and it didn't go well. And then I had to like figure it out from there kind of on, on my own and continue to reinvent the the process for myself. Um, uh, but yeah, you're totally right. And, and he, and he'll openly admit that he's like, yeah, that's a different world. Like I, like he's a successful guy and he's a really driven person. So I'm sure he'd figure it out as well, but it, the way that he did it cannot be done currently.
0: Yeah. There's, there was 2.4 million podcasts out there now. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's, there's a lot of noise. Um, and, and the way, you know, I guess the way Apple does their, their rankings and whatnot for, for hit shows. This episode is brought to you by Shopify in the world of successful partnerships. Names like Procter and Gamble, Ben and Jerry, and supply and demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D A R I U S. Go to Shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. What? So, so yeah, so talking about that, like, you know, you're you're an expert at podcasts, getting guests on co- podcasts, getting people on podcasts, but, but let's, I want to, I'd love to hear your thoughts on. How do you build a successful show? Because I've been doing podcasts now for almost two years and it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to yeah. get people to pay attention. It's hard to get listeners. Um, it, you know, I always tell people I want to build one of the top podcasts in the world and I feel like there's a it's a lot of trial and error. Like what are your thoughts yeah. around that?
1: The very core of everything that I tell people when it comes to running a successful podcast is you will get what you put in. If you treat it like a hobby, it'll pay you like a hobby. If you treat it like a business, it'll pay you like a business and that's the bottom line. People will invest a million dollars into a new McDonald's franchise for the prospect of making what maybe a hundred grand in profit on it on an annual basis, you know after you're paying expenses, you're paying employees, you're paying insurance, you have a lease on a space, like you have all these other things that are going into it. You invested a ton of money so that you could potentially make this. And then like, yeah, I get it. It's, it's an asset. You can sell it and it's duplicatable. It's repeatable. And there's, there's models for franchises. And I understand all that. But then they start a podcast and they put like a thousand dollars into it. And they're like, why am I not Tim Ferriss yet? And it's like, well, <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, you, you, like, this is going to take a really long time. Like you either have to spend a ton of time doing it, or you have to spend a ton of money doing it one or the other, ideally both. If you can do both, that's the formula a ton of time and a ton of money. Like you have to do it, you have to commit to doing it consistently for a long period of time, making the most quality content that you can. And then you have to, and then if you want it to grow a bunch and monetize really well, you got to be able to afford to drop money in advertising the show. And you yeah. have to be willing to say goodbye to that money for a long enough period of time before you're going to make it back on ads and sponsorships. And that's yeah. the part that people have a problem with is like, you know, if you drop 50 grand this month, how long is it going to take you to see that 50 grand come back to your bank account? And can you withstand that period of time? And so that's the advantage of being someone who's exited a company or being an entrepreneur who has strong cash flow is that you can afford to spend a little bit more money. But at the same time, it's not, it's not a direct ROI like it is in other places where you're going to put money into. It's hard. Like if you got a quarter million to invest in something, it's hard to think about like, Oh, let me go buy podcast ads instead of like, Oh, let me go drop that into a couple of real estate deals.
0: Totally. totally. You know it's, I mean? it's, 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 it's a different mindset. Think. I, right. I view this as a digital real estate play, like a little yeah. bit, right? Where really that's is, how, I uh, mean,
1: Gary Vee says it all the time, you know, attention is the asset. And, and if you yeah. like find, and, and, and Grant Cardone, same way, you know, and, and these are two of the guys that have done it the best, regardless of if you agree with how they've done it or who they are or what they, you know, what their beliefs are, regardless of if you agree with any of that, they have figured this game out. And both of them preach constantly. It's your job to get attention and cut through the noise. That's your job whoever has the most attention is going to win. Yeah, I predict Gary Vee will be able to buy the Jets in this next downturn. Like I, on the, I, I, uh, on the upside of this downturn, he yeah. will make enough in the arbitrage because of who he is and the attention that he has, that he's taken the last decade to build that will pay off in a exponential way over the next five years, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I, I, I'd bet on Gary Vee. I, I would bet on him for sure. So, um, so when you look at, you know, obviously, you know, being an expert at the space and, you know, a lot of folks now are seeing podcasts from the position of, all right, and to your point, attention, getting people's attention, building a brand, whether you're a CEO, entrepreneur, I was, I was joked that I, before I got into this digital world, which I'm just now like starting to figure out that I was, I'm like, I kicked ass in the analog world. I still kick pretty good ass in the analog world. But the digital world's like it's a different world, right? Lower lower, bar, lower barrier to entry. Uh, More noise. Tons of, pe- tons of noise, right? And, 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 and on Guestio, for example, is where someone can go into your, your Guestio platform and book people or and or book, get themselves booked. What, 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 if you're someone who's trying to, to leverage podcasting to build your brand, and forget about just personal brand? I'm a real business person. I apologize to the people that might take offense to that statement. I have a real business that maybe does a million plus in revenue, and I want to leverage being a, a person of interest on Guestio to go grow my business. What's the best way for them to do that, leveraging a platform, platform like yours?
1: Yes, yeah, start with being a guest because the commitment level is way lower. Um, if you're, if you're like, if you're confused at all, like, like I said, the podcast is such a commitment, man. So like, if you don't know that's that you want to do that, don't do that first, just go be a guest, see how you enjoy the medium. Do you enjoy having conversations with people? Do you enjoy talking about the things that you get asked about? Like, is it fun for you to connect with people, tell your story and have interesting conversations? If like, if you, if you do a dozen uh, appearances in other shows and you're like, Hey, this is actually pretty fun. I want to do this then consider starting a show um, and, and doing interviews. Because in my opinion, like y- the clout that you get from having your own show, that's really big is way better than just being a guest on shows. It's just how it is. Unless you have clout and status from other things, right? Like, like as mm-hmm. like an Elon Musk doesn't need to have his own podcast to be Elon Musk. Right. Because he's right. got clout for buildings, you know, being the richest guy in the world. You know what I mean? So like, if you have, if you have, things like that, where it's like, oh yeah, I exited a company for $300 million. I don't really want to start my own podcast, but I do want more notoriety. Then it'll probably be easier for you to go get booked on podcasts. And that might be a really good solution for you. Um, But if you're like trying to make a name for yourself and grow status from nothing, it's going to be an uphill battle to get booked on big enough, relevant enough shows by yourself without anything to offer in return. So that's like the thing for me with my show is like, you know, I, I run a, you know, seven figure business and all, and all that stuff and, and have a unique story or whatever. But like, I'm not, I I'm self-aware enough to know that I'm not a massive person that, that like, I'm like just me by myself. I'm not going to be enough draw for somebody that has a really big show to be like, I really want to interview that guy. But if I have a really big show, all of a sudden I am interesting enough because I have something right. that that wants which is more audience because they're trying to grow their show too. So now I have an asset I have value to bring to the table besides just like, oh, let me, like when people are like, oh, but you know, I'm just that good of a guest. I can just add that much value in the conversation. It's like, you're, I hesitate to say it, but it's just not true. Like you're not that great. You know what I'm saying? Compared to the volume of people that reach out. Cause that's the thing is like, there's a shortage of good shows right now. So, any good show has dozens, if not hundreds, of requests to be on their show every totally. month. There's no shortage of good people. There's no shortage of seven figure, eight figure business owners. There's no shortage of best selling authors. There's no shortage of people like that. Do you have something that can be valuable for the person's show that you're trying to get on, which typically is going to be audience? Do you have an email list? Do you have an Instagram audience? Do you have a podcast audience? Do you have a YouTube channel? Do you have some way that you can help that person achieve their goals, which is growing their audience and engagement? If you can help them do that, you have a much higher chance of getting booked on other shows. Um, so, uh, not to say that you can't do it, um, without having your own show. I'm just saying like, if you're, if you're like I was, and you're starting just dead from scratch, it's right. it's going to be difficult, um, and and it was more difficult for me because I didn't even I didn't even have like a business at the time uh, when I was when I was starting. I was just a door to door sales guy with a podcast.
0: Um, yeah, then I hear that. I hear that. So it's interesting what you're talking about, which is this idea of how can you bring value to people, right? Because we're, we're we're really talking about value. But so so what I'm hearing you talk about, which is this is a this is a cardinal part about any business transaction, right? Is can you bring value, right? Yeah. And especially coming from, you know, you said yourself, you came at this world from a sales perspective and sales. I believe the best salespeople bring value, right? They figure out how can I give someone value and they'll pay me for it. Right?
1: Yeah. It's not even a belief. That's an unequivocal fact. If you're not that person, you're not a good salesperson. You're a scam. 100%, 100%, <laughs> right? You're not going to trick them probably, into buying from you. Yeah. And you're probably stuck making 130 a year thinking you're balling. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like there's are salespeople that make a million plus, two million plus in commissions. Those are the relational salespeople that know how to add value and build relationships long-term. Like if you're a yeah. used car guy, that's like, I'm balling because I make $93,000 a year and I closed that person when they didn't want to buy. And it's like,
0: you're like, that's like, not go f- good.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah like, that sucks. You yeah. suck. Um, like, well, that, like, they're gonna, They're going to reap the rewards of their sucking for the next 30 years because they're never going to be able to leave that job. You know what I'm totally. saying. Like good salespeople don't have to work full careers because they make enough money in ten years to stop working.
0: You know, you just made me think of something. So I was reading this. Uh, it was Elon Musk's first wife was talking about what it takes to be a billionaire. Right? There's just like this. It's it's a you can look it up. It's on Cora, um, dot com. And so she, there's this whole thread with her talking about like what does it take to become a billionaire, and and it it, it to the to the point you just made. Her her point was, you need to create something that creates so much value in the world that your your piece of it's bi- a billion plus in your pocket, right? right. And so so like just think of that. If you had a hundred percent profit margin, you need a hundred percent meaning like there's zero expense. You need to generate a billion dollars of revenue in your pocket with zero expense to be a billionaire right now factor in most businesses are like 15 20% profit margins depending on the type of business they are dude you're five to seven xing that number and right. that is what it takes to be a billionaire so what how can we create that kind of value so when people say oh i want to be a billionaire i'm like well, what are you going to do that's going to create so much fucking value right for so many freaking people that someone's going to pay you that, right? So I think it, it really goes to what you're talking about. Like, how do you bring value? So, so you know, one way of doing it to your point is hey, I can build an asset, like an audience, right? One might be story and clout, but like to your point, like how many seven and eight figure entrepreneurs or best selling authors are there out there? It's like a diamond, it's like it's like a dime a dozen nowadays, right? Yeah. So, so for folks out there that are starting maybe like yourself or, you know, myself, I, I did build a really like substantial business, but I was analog cool, digital cool, like nothing, right? So I was, I'm kind of doing the same thing, you know, grinding, right? Like working yeah. my ass off. I do podcasting because I love it. I've yeah. worked my fucking ass off to build the podcast and yeah. I'll continue to do it because I like doing it. But well, yeah, like, like, what are your thoughts around that? Like, how do people like what, what are some ways for people to get started? Because I think that, I think a lot of people look at the Gary Vaynerchuks of the world or they look at, you know, the Kardashians and they're like, I'll never do that, which you're the right. Yeah. You probably won't. Right. right. But, but, but progress over perfection. Like what are some steps when you think about helping people either grow up in the world of podcasts or in these other mediums? Like w- what are your thoughts on, on how people can really like make a difference for themselves?
1: Yeah. First off, redefine success. And, uh, and secondly, choose one platform and go all in on it first before you worry about, you know, posting 300,000 times a day, um, on every, every freaking platform that exists. And all of this is caveated by the way, if you don't have money, if you have money in the bank, like a good amount of money, you can do all of that immediately. And I recommend doing that. Like if you look at someone like Alex Rimosi or or, yeah. uh, Ryan Perneda or some of these other guys, um, uh, that are, they're they're spending 30 40 50,000 a month just on content creation just with like videographers and people chopping up content putting it on their stuff they're just just in creation not even in promotion um and and i think that if you really want to blow up on social that's the kind of you know stuff that you got to do um but then go so to start with what i first said redefine what success means like success doesn't just mean the kardashians um kevin kelly wrote an article called 1000 true fans a while back And basically was just making the point, like if you have 1000 true fans, 1000 people who genuinely know, like, trust you and appreciate you, you can build a future proof life, meaning like you'll never lack for anything if you just continue to add value to the thousand people that like your stuff. Yeah, that reframes it a lot uh, because people look at Gary Vee or they look at the Kardashians go like, that's impossible. And like you said, it probably is impossible for most people. Um, frankly, some of it's timing, some of it's luck. There's a lot of things that mix into those type of astronomical success stories. It's not always a calculation. Um, some of it's, some of it's luck and timing. Um, but, uh, if you redefine what success means get clear around what you want, you know, like there's plenty of people that make seven figures with that thousand true fans thing, 500 true fans, a hundred true fans, like start with a few, you just got to do it one at a time. And most people aren't, you know, it's, it's, it's like to, just to use an example, it's like a network marketing company, you know, it's like your first 12 people are going to be really difficult. Your first 30 people are going to be really difficult, but there re- there reaches a point where like critical mass starts to happen and people so start telling other people. And now all of a sudden you don't have 30 people, you have 400 people and then you have 4,000 people and then you have 8,000 people. Um, and that's the same way in building software. It's, a, it's the same way you reach critical mass. People start telling other people it starts growing without you having to do direct effort and growing it. Um, and that's the same thing that, that you have to look at your show with. It's just that it's, it's difficult to build those first few uh, fans, you know, yeah. because it, it's like the, the only people that know you right now are the people that know you right now. And right. it's difficult for the people that know you right now to look at you as like somebody that's a source of like truth or somebody that's, uh, you know, somebody that they're going to follow uh, because they know you. That makes sense. So like, you have to be able to like perpetuate beyond your circle of people where people are finding you for the first time, listening to your stuff and being like, I actually like what this person is saying. And I resonate with that, but it's going to take a little while. It's going to take like a, a little while to build like a book of content. That's going to be able to like reach people outside of the immediate circle that you have, especially if you don't have any money to market it. So you have to, that's why I say it's a commitment and and you got to be consistent because it's going to take a while. You know, anything worth having is, is going to be difficult to, to, to achieve especially building an audience. Um, So, and then the second thing I said, which is pick one platform and go all in. Like if you're starting from scratch, you don't have a big team, you don't have a bunch of money, you can't afford to pay 50 grand a month for videographers and all this other stuff. You're just doing it by yourself. Do one platform and do it really, really well. Create everything that you do for TikTok, create everything you do for YouTube, create everything you do for the podcast. Do one platform really well and then just repurpose what you're doing for that one platform to all the other platforms. You may as well be there because it's free. Um, so right. just post all your platforms, but optimize and 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 create for one single platform first, um, and then just repurpose to all the other platforms that exist. Yeah, it's um, interesting. In terms of podcasts specifically, especially for somebody like you, if you have money, if you had an exit, or you have a business that's cash flowing and you have money coming in, dedicate a certain amount of money that you are just willing to lose every month, just into advertising the show. That's yeah. it. Not on social. It's got to be on other podcasts. You have to buy media on other podcasts. Start with whatever five hundred bucks. The most obviously more is better because you're going to have to spend a good amount to test to find which shows are going to convert audience for you. Um, and any and time optimizing an ad campaign, you got to be willing with you got to be willing to waste money a little bit. There, there's going to be waste in your in your advertising spend to find what's going to work for you. So start with a thousand bucks, 5,000 bucks, 10,000 bucks, whatever you can do for like 12 full months, I can, I'm, I'm willing to lose a thousand bucks a month. I'm willing to lose 5,000 bucks a month. Again, this scale is going to be vastly different for everybody listening, uh, but whatever that is, do that thing, um, un, and, and then, and do that until you start making the money back through advertising and sponsorships or through other monetization right. channels that you have set up on the back end. Um, and then you'll be able to come up with a formula right? Where it's like, Hey, I'm putting down 25 grand this month. If it takes me six months to make that 25 grand back, that means month seven. I, you know, I, I might be around three to $4,000 a month now. Well now that three to $4,000 a month, if I make money over here in my business, I don't need to make money on the podcast right now. Take 100% of every dollar you make on the podcast and, and directly pour it back into advertising spend. And that becomes your monthly budget for ads do that until your show reaches the income that you want it to reach. And then scale back your spending tremendously. And now you have a big profit margin. That's That's the, that's the model. The problem is that's that model that I just said in 30 seconds might take two and a half, three years. (laughs) You know what I mean? To like fully flush itself out into a good enough size income where it makes a difference or it makes a dent in your, in your
0: revenue. Yeah. Love that, man. Um, I have a couple of questions. I know, and I know we're running over, but a couple of questions, and, and then I'll, I'll get you out of here, man. This, is, first of all, I, this is super fun, and I appreciate you know all the nuggets of wisdom. You know, this, the, and and again, a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs and CEOs. are like, I don't want to start a podcast. So I'm like, listen, man, what we're talking about here is how do you build digital influence, and you can pick your poison. You want to do it on LinkedIn? Do it on LinkedIn. You want to do it on TikTok? Which most of you probably don't don't do there. I like TikTok, but don't do it if you don't want to do there. You want to do it on Instagram, do it on Instagram. But in the world we're going into right now, and it's changing rapidly, if you are blind enough to to assume that digital, having some sort of understanding of how to grow influence on digital is not important, then you are, for lack of a better words, fucking kidding yourself, right? Yeah. It, it, this is the world we're moving into. And outside yeah. of my buddies that crush it in real estate, like really crush it in real estate, like the world we're going into is a game of influence and i and and i love like gary Vaynerchuk's perspective on it as you talked about so you know yep. talk going back to Gustio, you know how big is the platform now you guys did your 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 i guess your first round of of financing it's now growing you guys have a back-end agency on it but like when when we talk about guestio how 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 big is the platform right now what and what are your goals to take the platform to as far as size wise
1: yeah so right now we only have about six thousand users um on the platform um and I think it's possible to get closer to like a hundred thousand users um cameo cameo has like thirty to forty thousand people bookable on the talent side of their marketplace um but they don't have an opposite side of the marketplace, so I think that if we got up to forty to fifty thousand on the talent side that we could get up to you know uh, the same amount on the show side um, especially as shows continue to be uh, more and more shows continue to get started and stick around longer term and there's more tools and support for shows so they'll stick around longer. Um, so I, I think you know a hundred like the the big the 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 Hag, right the big hairy audacious goal over the next mm-hmm. like twelve to twenty four months is to get up to a hundred thousand users um, on the guestio platform, um, and then all of that funnels into the agency. The agency is kind of like it just kind of grows um, as demand grows because it's pretty boutique and it's um, you know typically around fifty thousand a year to work with us on the agency side, and so uh, those clients largely come in through a lot of the front end advertising that we do for the software. They see what we're up to. Um, and then we have some, some referral stuff in place for people that are in the agency. So that's kind of just kind of growing on itself as we continue to expand the overall reach of the platform and what we're talking about.
0: Nice. And, and when you, um, you know, when you look at, you know, the future for, for guestio, like I, I heard the B hack for the next 12 to 24 months which is kind of funny because BHAGs are like 10 years, but, but, <laughs> but that is a BHAG for, for damn sure. Uh, Jim Collins, Jim Collins, baby. Um, yeah, let's, let's go out to like, what do you want to do with this thing? Do you want to just build it, grow, grow it, sell it? I mean, what's, what's the plan for you? Cause obviously you're a young enterprising, uh, animal. Like what's the goal for, for guestio and what, what's the big, big hairy, audacious goal for Travis chapel.
1: Yeah. Acquisition on the guestio side for sure. Um, and, post-acquisition I, I honestly would just love to do more of this um I've been podcasting for five years I enjoy the medium I enjoy having conversations with interesting people um and uh you know post exit if I could do it full-time and continue making a multi-seven figure income on just doing podcasts and creating content I'm I'd be happy doing that for a while before I think I, st- I would like jump back into an entrepreneurial startup or venture um post-exit so um, that's kind of the goal right now
0: and and so um Let's wrap wrap up here. I want to hear a little bit about the show. Like, uh, obviously, the host to, uh, of Build Your Network podcast. Like, t- tell our audience a little bit about the show and w- and what you what the nexus of the show is. What are you doing on the show and and what and what where they can go find out more about the show and uh, as well as guestio.
1: Sure. So, uh, Build Your Network started as just simply that. It was a way for me to build my own network while I kind of led people on the journey of figuring out how to do it. What I fi- basically discovered at the beginning was that all the people that I really wanted to connect with weren't connecting the way that I was taught to go network, which is like, they weren't at the chamber meetings. They weren't at the BNI meetups. They weren't, you know, putting on the name tags and going to the local mixers, but they all knew each other. So I was like, it's not like they're abandoning the idea of networking. They're just not doing it the way that everybody's taught to do it. Um, you know, all these people that are making a hundred grand a year or less are all going to these freaking chamber meetings and all the people that are making seven, eight, nine figures aren't doing any of that stuff. And they all know each other. So I wanted to go do what they're doing, not what these people are doing. And so Build Your Network just kind of became a journey to figure out what that was. Um, Full disclosure, we're we're rebranding Build Your Network um, here in the next couple of months. Uh, So it might even, by the time this comes out, by the time you're listening to this, it might be a completely different show name. Um, But uh, you can find it over at TravisChapel.com. Uh, and I would just go there instead of searching build your network, just in case the show name is different. Um, I would say it except for that we still haven't arrived at a name yet. Um, but essentially all we're doing is just broadening the audience is like where we just want to be able to talk to more people outside of just the entrepreneurial space and the networking, um, branding doesn't resonate much outside of the context of entrepreneurship. So we're just kind of expanding our reach and hoping to reach a little bit wider audience with that.
0: Nice. Um, so travischappell.com is where people can go to, to learn more about uh, the show yep. um, and whether it's under the old branding or the new branding. And then um for for folks that are want to do guestio, what what, what do you or, or even get involved on the agency business with you guys? What how would you recommend they connect with you guys?
1: Sure. So you can go to guestio.com. That's just g-u-e-s-t-i-o, like be a guest, guestio.com uh, and sign up for a free account and start browsing around today. Or if you want to talk about the agency, we don't even have a website up for the agency yet, which tells you like how, um, we kind of just happened into that revenue stream. Um, but you can shoot an email to Travis at Travischapple.com or Travis at guestio.com. Either way, they both go to the same inbox. Um, and I'd be happy to, to have a chat with you to see if you might get, be a good fit for the agency side. Um, uh, but yeah, I guess you or com. You basically find out anything about me or go anywhere you want to go from there.
0: Awesome. Travis, man what a fun conversation. I love learning about your upbringing and, and what you're the greatness you're creating in the world with in the podcasting world and in the business world as well, man. So, so much gratitude and appreciation from us over here.
1: Thanks so much for having me, man. This is a lot of fun. Great, uh, great questions, great interview. Um, You know, I do a lot of these things, so it's always refreshing to have a really good host that actually takes the time to prepare and ask good questions and stuff. So I appreciate
0: that. Oh man, pleasure is ours. Everyone go check out guestio. I've been on the site. It's badass. go check out the podcast. And check out all the stuff Travis is doing. And and I will tell you this as well. And just because one of the reasons we asked Travis to be on the show is as I follow you on Instagram, uh, you have some great content on on social. So check out Travis. What, what's your if they want to follow you on social? Is it just should they just go to Travis Chapel and find it there?
1: Yeah. com is probably the best place. Um, it's cause we have, we had to get different handles for different ones. Um, so it, it, most of them, it's either, tra- it's either at Travis chapel, like Instagram or it's at Travis C chapel. Um, uh, cause my middle name is Conrad. So Travis C chapel would be on like Twitter. Um, I think that's also my Facebook page and potentially even
0: TikTok. Um, Brad Lee, Bradley yeah. Bradley gave me a ton of shit because of my different handle names. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was in, I was yeah, in Vegas I, on his show. I know it's a
1: no-no. I know it's a no-no, but uh, yeah, I just picked up the 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 things that are closest to Travis Chappell. If they didn't have Travis Chappell, I just added a C in the middle, and it seems to have worked out okay for me.
0: Yeah, you get screwed if your last name's is day when it comes to uh, social. Uh, no so yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I think I'm rolling with Darius. Go boom! And but but we got we got to figure that out on our side. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> anyway, uh, Travis, thanks for, so much for being here, guys. Uh, if you love the show, please follow us on social. Uh, like us, give us uh, five-star reviews, four-star reviews. We'll take the five, but uh, send this out to your friends because this is the goods from Charles Chapel and from The Greatness Machine. Love you guys. Peace out. Take care. You are listening to The Greatness Machine and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on